When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier. Stephen Chicken joined as usual by David Hartrick. How are you doing, Dave? Better than Huddersfield Town. <laughs> Who isn't? <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. All good, all good. I believe you've been out doing some lines this morning. Yes, I have been doing some lines on a football pitch, not the other sort of lines. It's not Getting 1997. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're laughing. We shouldn't be laughing. Serious faces, Dave. Uh, Huddersfield Town have lost 4-1 away to Leeds and uh, I, I was we were talking in, in, in the lead up to this game let's be honest we both expected Town to lose that game but we said on last week's podcast there's a way they can lose that game with their heads held high that is very much not what they did uh, no it was we, we'll, we'll go into it but I thought there were some absolutely horrible individual performances I thought there were some absolute horror collective performances in terms of the the units on the pitch and Leeds are a good side and Leeds are going to be there or thereabouts at the end of the season let's be honest but Mm -hmm. at the same time you just sat there thinking there's no there wasn't a fight first half that's the problem It, it I think the fans were so upset and so annoyed by it because they just didn't feel like they could see themselves on the pitch in that first half and I think the Huddersfield Town crowd, that is kind of a, a minimum standard for them, isn't it? Uh, but yeah, let's get into it because there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. Uh, for 20 minutes, we were saying last week about how Town have been not great, but okay if they managed to get through the first sort of 25 minutes of a game. They got to 20 minutes, but the goal was going. I think the, pre- the, the last post just before Leeds scored on my live blog was saying, well... <laughs> Leeds are clearly about to score here um, sooner rather than later, and then of course they did. Um, the two fullbacks had a, a a bit of a nightmare. I thought Yutsunakiyama had a, a poor start. There was a weird one again. Constantly, his brain is getting turned off for no reason. There was one where the ball went into the box from Leeds, and he was playing two men on side when all of the rest of the line had moved forward. Which is like, what on earth? Thankfully, they didn't score from it, but it's like, what on earth are you doing? Um, but he got completely run by Dan James which Dan James will do that if he's got any good qualities Dan James pace is, is top of the list I know you're not a bit you you also put the jinx on it Dave <laughs> yeah I did. I did I'm not a, I'm not a Dan James believer at all but um but on the other side Tom Edwards I mean diabolically bad I mean yeah there was general agreement in the press room after the game that it was the worst individual performance most of us had had ever seen um big day for Luke and Bette on on Saturday really but no it was it was it wasn't just it wasn't just that he was he was clearly unfit let's be honest um he was nowhere near Sarencio Somerville couldn't get uh, Crisencio I should say couldn't get anywhere near him it's not just that it's the fact that when he did get near him I think he made one tackle where it's like okay good work the rest of the time even if he was in the right place to catch him he'd step away from the ball there was one where he and Ben Wiles both went through it at the same time and went oh after you it's like no one of you's need to go for it both of you go for it (laughs) and and if you clatter each other you do but someone needs to go for it you know, it's. I thought it was an absolutely woeful performance and almost to the level where in the conclusions I didn't even see the need to, to add to that because we all saw it. Um, I think obviously the main problem was, as I say, he's nowhere near fit and, you know, he's been out injured half the last season. You don't know what's 
happening you know with him in his personal life or anything like that so i don't want to speculate and i don't want to pile onto him too much because who knows but i think it's one thing for us to predict him in our predicted lineup and talk about how four two three one looks like a good option etc darren moore has worked with tom edwards on the training pitch for the last few weeks surely he knew that he wasn't going to be up to anything against Leeds United, who are so good on the counter-attack and, and so good on the flanks in particular. Yeah, uh, to put some stats on it, you know, if you look at his heat map, he barely got out of his own half. And he basically played, because of the way Leeds came on, he basically played the whole game in the right-back position. And it, from that position, it, he managed to lose possession seven times. Which, when you've only touched the ball 29 times, that's, that. believe it or not, that's a very high percentage. Uh, 11 passes he got off, Steve, accurately. And it's, it's like, you know, fullbacks are like, and wingbacks are perhaps the most important positions on the pitch now in modern football. And he was just not at the races in any way. Now, I'm a bit like you. I think the single biggest problem wasn't that he's not a good enough footballer, is that he just wasn't fit enough. You know, he wasn't... He All they did to get past Tom Edwards was just knock and run, mm-hmm. which is the sign that you've already spotted that you're up against somebody who just hasn't got the pace. And, you know, Somerville's an interesting player because he's he's capable of having games like Saturday but he's also capable of looking absolutely rotten in games as well but what he will have worked out I don't know what three minutes in hang on a sec I've got this guy on toast already and then he just grew in confidence from that and it was the most predictable half-time substitution of all time to be honest and like I say I don't want to be I don't want to be cruel we don't want to just lay into him personally or anything but it's no exaggeration to say that like I, I still think it might have been one or two nil, possibly three nil. But Matty Pearson should have just been there. I don't yeah. like Matty Pearson at right back, and I've been public about this on here. But he can't have looked at the two in training and thought Tom Edwards was the better option. Yeah. Surely Romani as well. Ben Jackson yeah. came on. Yeah. He's pl- I know Ben Jackson didn't play well last time he started on the right. Um, was that Birmingham? I think. But yeah, it was. It, it was a real nightmare and yeah it, it's hard to to come up with any positives to town because obviously the first goal goes against them and then they just crumble i thought similar to similar to nakiyama against that's the other thing is I'm, i don't really understand why Moore hasn't changed the shape earlier because you've got sorba thomas on the pitch edwards can play at center back either take edwards off when you sit when it's that level I know that you don't want to like kill a player by taking him off in the first half, but it would have been a kindness, genuinely, um, to have done so. But you know, even if you're desperate not to, took him in at centre back, even if you put him in the min- in the middle of the three where he barely has to move, um, and move Sorba back to wing back because, and just try and shut the door. Why wait to half time to do it? And it was the same against. Cardiff I know that I know that that after you go down one it's like okay well let's push and and try and get back into the game so maybe you don't want to change it then but as soon as that second goal went in they should have changed it the third obviously then comes so quickly again they don't change it and then there's the fourth before the break as well and and they're still in that same shape Mm. Uh, I don't know I yeah yeah and I think we'll talk about some more individuals but like two of those four goals, you have a Leeds player carry the ball 30 to 40 yards, essentially unchallenged. And that kind of level of not engaging with a player, I don't know if that's fear. I don't know if, I don't know what that is, but you just can't do that. You know, you, if you let good players carry the ball for a long distance, they'll hurt you. And I just felt. The worrying thing for me on Saturday in that first half is I felt like things kept happening and no one was learning anything from it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not just talking about the bench here. I'm not talking about Darren Moore potentially changing the shape. I'm saying on the pitch, nobody seemed mm-hmm. to learn about it. They were just trying to do the same things time and time again. There was a number of times where people just went long trying to hit Harrit or Bergzog, and it's like, well, Leeds have just got them on toast because. Roden and Struck are very good central defenders and had them both in their pocket for most of that first half. I know there was the one chance Sorba Thomas's long ball that Bergsall yeah. got through on, but I don't know. It was it was just a really kind of flat performance, and it, it yeah, it was worrying. It was worrying, but I think defensively, like I was looking at the personnel, and I think the only change you could have really made is 
Tom Edwards for Pearson realistically. Mm-hmm. I don't think you'd put Reg in there having not played for a few weeks. I think you'd put yeah. Pearson back in there. Particularly if you're just going to bench him otherwise anyway. Yeah, but I do think that... <sighs> I do think we've got to talk about Utah as well because he's just yeah. he's played quite a bit of football now and yeah. I, you know I said to you jokingly but I just want him to be really really good because he should be because he's got all the attributes hasn't he Steve he's got he can play all the right notes but not necessarily in the right order yet you know and I just yeah. as much yeah. as we've had a go at Edwards I just think cumulatively over the last couple of games Utah really needs to step up a bit yeah he he really does I think I just think he needs to play as an out-and-out defensive left-back as it stands at the moment or as a left-sided wing-back. I think where we've seen him be kind of okay is is in either one of those roles. It's when he's your archetypal player who you shouldn't you can't give too much to do I think because I think he struggles to to hold the picture of the game in his head which is why he makes these really weird decisions as I say he's, he's very subject to brain fade but yeah he just I don't know he's he's weird because I think weirdly I, I ended up giving him I thought he was absolutely dreadful first half against Cardiff and I thought he was really really poor nowhere near I don't think the Edwards level or the level that he'd been against Cardiff but was really really poor against Leeds but then second half of both games he suddenly looked fine you wouldn't have thought that that was a player who had had and I know that you know both both Cardiff and Leeds had taken the foot off the gas but you know he was getting forward he was getting moves going defensively he was doing his job it's like why can't you just stay switched on for 90 minutes you to yeah, it's the it as you said. It's the it's the kind of the, the slightly odd decisions. You know, he dives in for tackles where you think all he's got to do is hold his position, and then he holds in his position when you think, well, all you've got to do is go and engage. And it's that it's it's that kind of frustrating thing because he is a uber talented footballer. You know, he's an international footballer who was going to play at the World Cup. So you just feel like Town should be getting a bit more from him. You know, individually, he just needs to to step up a little bit. But there, he's not the only one. Let's be honest, no. he's not the only one. No. I thought Lees and Helic in the middle. I thought did pretty much as well as could be expected when they were kind of the last two men on the gate at the Alamo yeah. at times. But, but Helic not great on the second goal, you would say. No. But he just he stepped the wrong way just to, just before the shot came off, didn't he? He just I was like, why why is he? I couldn't work out if he was trying to leave it for Nichols or if he just got wrong footed and it was it was the latter. He just got wrong footed and unfortunately ended up on sight in Nichols as a result of that. Although Nichols was not great on one of the later goals either, yeah. it has to be said. But I think I think as central defenders, there does come a point. I mean, they were really under the cosh at that point, and there yeah. comes a point where you're just slightly acting on slightly acting on adrenaline rather than intelligence, aren't you? And I just think yeah. you you're just at that point where it's just all I want to do is just try and get the ball as far away yeah. from me as possible. So you, you can't blame either of them if they got ran a bit ragged. I agree. With you. I thought no. Lizzy did did as well as you could possibly have hoped for. Unfortunately, in the circumstances, but when mm. you're just getting bombarded like that and you're getting no protection from from your your full backs, then mm. you're going to end up looking a bit daft at times. And I think I think part of it is just. I think when you look at the way that midfield was set up, Ethan Ampadu is a very, very good player and he comes from deep. He drives from deep. And I don't think Town ever got somebody onto him to actually cover that. So he was always in a pocket of space, just outside the centre circle and sort of available to pick a pass. Joel Perrault in the, as the 10, I thought, again, he just kept finding space because nobody kind of dare take the responsibility to go tight because they were so mm-hmm. worried about Kamara and Ampadu coming up behind and dropping into that space and I just felt I just felt the sort of the really worrying thing was just like how much the measure Leeds had of town you know yeah. they really did uh, in every area of the pitch they just they just had the measure of them and that midfield battle I think is where most games are won or lost and I just think Brahima Diara does so yeah. many good things defensively and he never stops running and he is good at relieving the pressure but the problem is at the moment he's not giving town enough on the ball if you would compare Diara's performance to uh, to, to, to Ampadu's you know it's like night night and day on the ball isn't it that's the thing and I just think that 
Hoggy again, I thought was all right. I don't think he yeah. did he did much wrong. But again, it's when you're constantly trying to pick two players mm. up, which is what he was trying to do in the middle, and Helic was trying to do, and Lees was trying to do at nearly all times. It just becomes an absolute impossible it, shift, doesn't it? It was yeah. I thought Hogg probably was along with Sorber again. Silver Thomas, um, probably the two players, and maybe Lee's the players that came from that starting lineup that came up with any credit. But but Hog two games in a row now, he's just been firefighting. You know the yeah, number of times yeah, yeah. that 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 Hog was running back into the box to make a challenge that someone else should have made or mop up across that someone should someone else should have blocked. He was doing it constantly. Um, but again, there's only so much sort of one man can do I mean you mentioned DR off the ball I think it's always a worry when and again we should stress Leeds are a good team and we didn't expect town to get anything out of this I think my attitude to this game is I think if this result had happened and this performance had happened and they had just lost normally (laughs) to Birmingham and Cardiff they've lost 2-1 and 1-0 say I could I think I could sit here and hand wave this performance away and just say well look Leeds are good they are perfectly designed to exploit town's weaknesses. Bad day at the office. Horrible for the fans because it's a derby. But, you know, what do you expect? Leeds are very good and town are down 21st. But it's the fact that this is, the, you know, third time in five games that this has happened. Um, and as good as Leeds were and as incisive as Leeds were, town made it far too easy for them. And this yeah. is where I'm concerned is that when the players that are meant to be your better players and and players that are put in the side to do specific jobs are unable to do those specific jobs you know Prima Diara hasn't made a successful tackle he's committed two fouls hasn't made a tackle it's like well he's been put in there to 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 do that sort of that pressing role to press you know I know that they don't have any other options as we'll come on to in a moment but you know he and Wiles have been put in there to to put pressure on leads and close them down and stop them from building the play early um but you know they've not made a successful tackle between them they've not made a successful interception between them um and that's just collective but i think also on the ball as you mentioned town had nothing i thought wiles i don't know what he doesn't seem to be able to 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 strike a ball cleanly which is very odd you know there's one bit in the first half where he made a really good interception had loads of time and just like basically stumbled over his own feet and he just seems to be having these constant heavy touches I know he had an injury last season so you wonder if he's still got some side effects from that but but that has been a trend for him Diara offered nothing on the ball and oof Delano Berg so oh that that boy annoys me I just to go back to Wiles for a minute. I think the the problem with Wiles is he's really. I think he's really struggling to get himself into games and impose himself on games. You know, I know I know Leeds had the bulk of the possession, and it wasn't just the midfield's fault. But you've got like Ampadu had 131 touches in the game. Uh, Kamara had 118 touches in the game. Wiles had 26. And that is, you know, he's played 90 minutes and it's not, the thing is, the thing that must be said, that is not all his fault because, you know, as a midfielder, you're trying to function as a facilitator half the time. You need that, you need that ball so you can actually do something with it. But at the same time, that's not imposing yourself on a game in any way, shape or form. And that, that's... That's a worry, and I do just wonder a bit like you. I do just wonder if there's a he's possibly carrying a little bit of an injury because he doesn't quite look right. You know, no. I don't feel like he runs at full speed either. It's like he's just slightly holding back. Which the player that brings to mind straight away is Danny Ward, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's when Danny Ward is playing through something. The reason you can always spot that is because he's just not quite at full tilt. So I think with Ben Wiles, the thing I feel with Ben Wiles is that there's there's more to come from him. You know, I'm yeah. I'm not kind of giving up on that project at all. I think it's just not happening right now. But Delano Bergsog for me. Uh, you know my feelings off the record, Steve. I'm willing to go on the record and say I've never been a believer. I just... I mean, I, 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 every time he's on the ball, I don't know what he's going to do, but he has no idea either. <laughs> and it's... He's just not really offering much of anything at the moment because he'll absolutely skin a player and you think, wow, brilliant, and then he turns the other way. 
or he puts it out for a goal kick. It's it's like he's so he's so incre- incredibly frustrated. His expected assists on Saturday against Leeds was 0.01, which you know playing it, on the left wing, playing on the left is it's just not great. And again, I'm not that's not all his fault because of the nature of the game. But at the same time, you know, he only passed the ball ten times. Like it's, I'm just at the point from where, 32 touches, by the way. Yeah, I'm just at the point where it's like uh, he, we've got to see what he's kind of good at. You know, so a lot of people made the Sonani um, comparison when he arrived. Oh, he'll be a bit like Donnell Sonani in terms of his sort of, ro- not in terms of his playing style, in terms of his role in the squad. He's going to pop up with the odd goal. He's going to get assists. I mean, I'd take. I don't know about you, Steve. I'm not putting words in your mouth, but I I would take Sonani over Bergsorg at the moment. Oh, absolutely, it's, Bergsorg destroys performances. He it's he it's his refusal to pass, his refusal to do anything effective with the ball. You know, you, you can. It's almost making it worse in a game like Leeds, where you're going to get caught on the counter because he will carry the ball up the field, do all a good job, wait, hold it up really well. That's what he does particularly well. He's holding the ball up. He'll get it held up. The whole team is forward because he's done that good job of getting the ball forward and holding it up. But then because he refuses to pass it, they end up losing the ball and everyone's forward and they get broken on and then Leeds score. And that just happened again and again. And, you know, it's... When he does get into the box, there was a moment where Town got forward and it was basically four on four. He had three players to pick from. Of course, he ends up getting to the edge of the box and just shooting left-footed and putting it wide. When any one of those passes was was viable and would have got Town into the box. Every time he does get into the box on the ball, he looks more concerned with drawing a foul than he does with having a shot. And I, I think... Looking back, actually, I think one of them, he might have drawn a foul and and maybe um, Town should have had a penalty, but he could have got his shot off even before that. I just, I, yeah, he, I've never seen a player more custom designed to exactly irritate me <laughs> and he's absolutely doing my head in, to be honest. Um, yeah, <laughs> but there you go. Yeah, I think, again, it's important to note that I don't... I don't necessarily think it's all his fault. They're, they're, nothing Town are doing is suiting his skill set. But part of the problem is his skill set at the moment seems limited to kind of one thing. Holding so the ha- ball. Yeah. So, He's great, great on the training ground at keep away. Yeah. <laughs> So how do you utilise that? And the thing is about playing with Kieran Harrett up there. Kieran Harrett is he's a bit of a Danny Ward. He's he's a you know he's a presser and he wants to sort of hassle people and he wants to close down and he wants to run a lot and he wants to be more of a sort of traditional centre forward. And the problem is when you're playing Bergsall with him, who never releases the ball, mm-hmm. that's just a, it's pointless. Yeah. It's just pointless. Yeah, and it's. I think I think it's a big issue because we're going to talk about the personnel they've got available at some point but yeah but I think Bergsog at the moment is as frustrated as you get is as frustrated as I get really because I just think I know the the weird thing is he's scored a couple of goals hasn't he that's yeah. the thing he's scored a couple of goals so you go okay but he has got he has got a goal threat in his locker but the problem is he seems to score in games where he's still done nothing, if you know what I mean. We've never, me and you have never come off and gone, he was really good that half, even if he scored. You know, he was really good that game. And, uh, yeah, he just, he just, he's just a very annoying footballer, Steve. <laughs> yeah. I think he's the kind of player as well who you you watch him once or twice and you think, oh, there's, there might be something here. And then you watch him ten times and you think, <laughs> No, he's just yeah. he's just bad. Um, but I mean, hope you'd hope they can get something out of him. But I, I can't. You know, we've seen loads of players. I don't know. Maybe I'm just jaded. But I feel like we've seen loads of players at town over the years who you look at and think, oh, they've got a skill set here, and and if they can use it, just get a coach to get them mm. to use it properly, then they could have a world beater. And how many times does that actually happen? Like very, very rarely, if if ever. So and, and it's it's not only that. I think the I think the problem is he's a project player in a position where town need a finished product. That's that's the other quite stark thing because yeah. 
like Leeds worked out very very early on that Sorba Thomas was the only really creative yeah. attacking outlet they had so they just doubled up on him every time yeah. and as good as Sorba is he and he never stopped running he was trying his heart out yeah. when he's constantly got two players on him and sometimes three because Ampadu stepped across as well it just becomes a you know you can't you can't get anything from him and that's not his fault that's just the way he's being marked but why can Leeds do that because they're quite happy to just have one-on-one against Bergzog on the other side you know they're quite content that there's not going to be an awful lot to trouble them coming from that side and that's an issue that that is a big issue because without Radoni's runs and his attacking output you can't just get back to the point where that town were at last season where there is so much on Sorba Thomas's shoulders to produce you know whether from a dead ball or whether from open play that teams just go okay well if we just nullify Sorba Thomas there's nothing else there and it feels like we're kind of getting back to that point and they've got to find a way to work around that. Yeah, if we're going to give a bit of credit where it's due, I think you mentioned Sorba kept going and was sort of the one player who really did keep going and kept plugging away and was covering every inch of grass. Harrit was doing it as well, to be fair, but, but mm. less successfully. But Sorba, I thought his the last few games, he has been like palpably the player who's been trying the hardest, looking most likely to make something happen, the one who's not given up um, for a second and who actually looks like the rest of the game has not... <laughs> and I know he sometimes shows his frustration, but in terms of his overall performance, the scoreline has not affected him. Um, and if anything, it's made him more determined. Um, so a bit of credit where it's due there. But yeah, I mean, part of the reason that, again, it's not just the, the fact that they've been getting beaten so heavily, which we'll come on to in a moment when we discuss Darren Moore's um, position and the pressure on him. But the thing that sort of soured me since last week when you and I were going out of our way to look for silver linings and trying to say we know they've lost you know got got battered by Cardiff but there's reasons to believe that things might be able to turn around after Leeds which we expect them to lose but the reason that I'm feeling much more down in the mouth now about Tan's hopes is Jack Rodoni's injury which to me was worse news this weekend than losing to Leeds because actually the way that the other results went, it's kind of been a free hit for Town losing against Leeds in a game that you would have expected them to lose because all the other results went their way. They're still in a precarious position. Um, you did want Sheffield Wednesday to win <laughs> as it stands because it means Rotherham haven't made up ground and they also have the game in hand. Um, but oof, the one thing we didn't want to happen, Jack Rodoni getting injured. Um, it looks like a bad one as well. Potentially he's going to be out for a few weeks. Um, he got kicked against Cardiff, which I don't remember happening but um but there you go um i'm not by saying that saying it didn't happen i'm just saying <laughs> um, <laughs> testament to jack Rodoni that he's, he's been kicked in a way that he's ruled about for several weeks and and we've not even noticed but that's the kind of level of player he is for huddersfield town um and now they're going to be without him and it suddenly feels pretty hopeless particularly this weekend with hog suspended as well he <sighs> Town haven't got very many irreplaceables in that first team, and they've lost perhaps the one <laughs> one they do have. That's that's the big issue. And it was really stark how little they did on the ball on Saturday. Yeah. And they are g- going to play against Watford and Hull, who are two teams who are probably going to dominate the ball. So when you're against teams who dominate the ball, the one thing you have to do when you have it is you have to be really clinical with it. You have to be really clever with it. You have to protect it. And... Yeah, without Rodoli, that is that is huge news. Rotherham's game in hand is against Coventry, which mm. at least kind of works in Town's favour, you could argue, because at least it's it's two sides and around them. Point, yeah, but his his impact in games since the start of the season has been massive. You know, he's he has been against Cardiff. He missed those chances, but he was the one who was there to miss those chances and against Leeds they just didn't even create them you know they didn't even have anybody in those positions so yeah I'm with you absolutely dreadful news really and you can only hope that I think the one thing is they really need him to recover properly the one thing they can't Mm -hmm. do is rush him so they then goes again and they then lose him for another eight weeks because or whatever it will be because when they come to January, they they've got to do some work on this squad. They can't. They still won't be able to do without Jack Rodoni long term. You know, they've they've so they're also going to have to kind of nurture him back in and nurse him back in. So yeah, huge huge miss. And I was with you. That news 
I think is is worse than the is worse than the lead score, which wasn't great either. Uh, yeah, because we just were already, go on. I was going to say we we were already talking in terms, weren't we, of they need to scrape by till January, even if it's just sort of sitting in twenty first and maintaining or sitting around that area, and yeah. even if they're one point ahead going into January, then then that's something. Um, and that was with. Jack Rodoni, who is their best player, their biggest goal threat from open play. I know Helix's top scorer now, but um, you know their biggest goal threat. They're, they're the player who carries them up the pitch. The the player who the one player they have who is capable of of dragging them by the scruff of the neck and taking them through games. Uh, and now they're without him, and it's like, geez, if they if we thought they were going to scrape through before, then now are they going to do it now? And uh, respectfully, you look at the midfield options for Saturday. Um, and it's a lot of inexperienced players and question marks, unfortunately, you know, because we've talked about Ben Wiles and how he's struggling. David Kasumi is still out injured. Jonathan Hogg suspended. Jack Rodoni's injured. So it's like Brahima Diara, Josh Osterfield, Romani Edmonds Green, and Tommy Pender. Those are, those are your options. And I, I don't know how I'd set up for that game after the last two, if I'm honest. No. Like, because. Like the Sheffield Wednesday game was absolutely dreadful, but it was kind of a, a team and a system pick just not to lose. And I, I kind of, it, it makes for an absolutely dreadful game, but I'm kind of at the point, do you just get bodies back, Steve? You know, do you just set up to try not to concede, to try not to lose? Which is, it's not it's not a great feeling, admittedly, but at the same time, the midfield options as they are, yeah. Uh, I think that Watford are a funny side, Right, so I don't think we should just completely write off Town's chances because Watford are a really yeah. odd side, and they are not—you know—they are not outstanding. They lost João Pedro to an outstanding Premier League side, um, and they've kind of not adequately replaced him. They're very all or nothing. Uh, they're capable of getting results like they did at Swansea, but then also losing home games. So I don't. It, it's not like. I don't think it's another Leeds United, put it that way, because I yeah. think Leeds are are a very good, competent side. But I think the reality of where Town are at the moment, if you if you run through Leeds's bench, Steve, Luke Ayling, like him or not, would get in Town's first team. Oh yeah. Uh, Notto would get in Town's first team. Liam Cooper would get in Town's first team. Jaden Anthony would definitely get in Town's first team. Patrick Bamford would get in Town's first team. Carl Darlow probably wouldn't. You wouldn't put him in over Nichols because it's Lee Nichols. But Nichols' form hasn't been great this season. I think Archie Gray, if he's not in the first team, is there or thereabouts. Pavida, if he's not in the first team, is there or thereabouts. They're going to come into this Watford game again with a bench that kind of doesn't have much to change it if it starts going wrong and a sort of cobbled together midfield. But <laughs> we wrote Fotheringham's team off before QPR away, didn't we? <laughs> and they, and they somehow, managed, somehow managed to get something thanks to Josh Ruffles turning into Slatan <laughs> Ibrahimovic for the night. I'm not. I'm not sure it's a great solace to be reaching for an example from the Mark Fothering era. It's a. Great. It's not a great sign, is it? No. Um, no. But, but you never. I know. get what you're saying. Yeah. You know, sometimes, sometimes these things can help reset. I think, and if there's one thing you would definitely say about Town, it's that they need to. There's definitely under Darren Moore, it's that they are. He is hamstrung slightly as we talked about last week by players being in a certain set of habits that are not what he necessarily wants them to do and sometimes uh, you know this can be the mother of creation um but yeah i mean we talked last week about how Rodoni and and wiles may have a bit of a gerard lampard thing going on and you know you've taken gerard out of it now so you know but i think that's quite optimistic i don't know i i think it's it's tough for us to try and find those silver linings as, as you're talking about uh which is also the name of a, a very good book about bobby robson's england i believe mm, i must check that out because i think we talked last week about how the 352 wasn't working they've got battered by birmingham and and cardiff playing that 352 mm. they've been unconvincing against two very poor sides in sheffield wednesday and qpr in that system but i think we're seeing and have seen against leeds that it's not as straightforward as as changing it and hope and getting a different result because there's a little bit of if you solve a problem in one area it just pops up in another area um yeah. like uh like homer simpson pushing the garbage under the carpet um 
Well, there's, so, a, there's a reason. They were 4-0 down and then 4-1, and they only made two subs on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And that's because I just don't think there was anybody else there who could sort of yeah. effectively change it. And I think when they got back on an even kill second half, which is not a compliment, by the way, because they were 4-0 down at the time. I mean, Luke Daly is, is a young lad. I append as a, good, a young lad who we both really, really like and we think he's going to do really well. And it's not just because he's from Brighton. But then you got Reg, Jaheim Headley, Carl Hudlin. These are not players that were going to come into that game and make a massive impact. And that is the issue against Watford. It's kind of, you have to set yourself up in a plan A, but they, they haven't really got the personnel for any sort of plan B, have they? So the issue is, if you go 1-0 down, what do you do? Because you can't just do plan A better all the time, can you? No. Well, they haven't been. <laughs> so, no, no. And I think this brings us on to sort of the next point, which is we've been saying for a long time and basically since he came in that Darren Moore walked into a difficult job. We said it at the time he was appointed, you know, that Town had not been great at the start of the season. We need to acknowledge that, you know, that they it's not mm. like they were winning every week under Neil Warnock. Um, no. Neil Warnock had got, I think, one more point than, than the number of games played. And obviously that squad was not, added to um, adequately in the summer. I don't think anyone is hiding from that. And again, there's there's reasons for that. But you would say, I mean, with the two players that we've slated the most today are the two players they did get in. Well, and ben, and the third one we've also talked about as being not quite up to it. So the players they have added have not been anywhere near good enough. Um, I think that's fair to say. Um, so Darren Moore has walked into a difficult job and when he was appointed you and I were saying look give him patience clearly he needs to get to the January transfer window the injury list has only got worse since then and I don't think in a way that is you can point to and go well that's Darren Moore's fault because Pat Jones it's his hamstring again and it's Pat Jones and it was on international duty Um, David Kasumu history of hamstring injuries and he did it in Warnock's last game in charge Ruffles groin injury it happens He's, he was able to play through it but then they've decided he needs to let it heal properly ollie turton has been out since february uh danny ward missed warnock's last few games josh caroma uh slight groin issue hopefully we'll be back for next week and then ridoni's had a kick so it's not like we're sitting here going oh they're all being overtrained like we were yeah. <laughs> a yeah, few we... years ago yeah um it is just bad luck that he's had with the injuries. The injuries that he's had, <laughs> all the players that carry any goal threat in this side, Josh Groma, Danny Ward, Jack Rodoni, um, all out injured um, in at, at the weekend. Um, Josh Ruffles has been one of their best defenders. David Kasumu would be an option in midfield if he were fit to come in, who you'd be pretty happy playing. Um, Turton would obviously be playing at right back if he was fit. So horrible hand to walk into... Th- but that all said, even you and I have had to sort of message each other at the weekend and go, oh, but even with all that taken into account, this isn't good and this isn't sustainable because they've, yeah. they've conceded four goals three times in five games and whatever progress they might have made in other areas or whatever hopes they might have had and whatever they've worked on over the international break where they've come back and not put in a great performance, but they have beaten QPR. When you have score lines like... 4-0 at home to Cardiff and 4-1 away to Leeds. That progress just goes out the window because you need yeah. the players to believe in it. You need the players to believe that you are on the right path and if you have a defeat like that, it just sets you back another two weeks. So we're seven games into Darren Moore's reign and things seem to be going backwards. Um, and again, as I said earlier, I think if they'd just lost normally to Birmingham and Cardiff, I would be saying just write the Leeds game off the record isn't you know terrible but it's there's room for growth but there is real pressure on him and, and legitimate pressure on him yeah and i think legitimate is the word because i think that me and you are advocates for patience and for our we we think there are things that are out of his control at the moment that are causing real issues um in terms of the personnel he's got available and i think we both still think if he doesn't get till january i don't necessarily think things are all his fault but at the same time you can't keep losing like this we we said in the last pod we literally said that if they lose this game there is a way to lose it you know there there's you can lose this game i don't know 2-0 and but have put up a really good fight with what you've got and come close and you can come away and go okay it's leeds hate losing to leeds but 
it is what it is. We move on. They can't. Ha- they can't play Watford at home on Saturday and and lose four nil or four one again. They just. They just can't because I. From what I've seen of Darren Moore and doing a bit of research and talking to people, you know, he's a very competent, very quite detail orientated manager. Who I think at the moment, you know, you mentioned Hogg is firefighting at the moment. I think Darren Moore's done nothing but firefight, mm-hmm. and I think that's a big. That's a big issue, and I think you're not seeing what he can do. But the flip side is, there's a lot of games to go till January. <laughs> you can't. Is what is it? Eleven games, I think, mm. till January. That's a huge chunk of the season. And the one thing we advocated at the start of the season, and when Warnock was struggling, was they can't they can't put themselves in a position where they're giving other teams a head start because overturning it last season, you know, we we talked about it being a miracle. We were both absolutely stunned. You can't kind of expect to do that twice. <laughs> You can't expect to... You could get Neil Warnock back, and I don't think Neil Warnock could do it again. By his own admission, he was kind of as surprised as everybody else, wasn't he? I just... I think the pressure is legitimate. I don't like it. It's very modern football, you know, to to be this in this position after seven games. But it's not just the fact that they've got these personnel issues and everything else. It is the nature of the performances. You know, if if the performance level doesn't rise, there's there's no real defence, is there, Steve? Because you've got a you had a situation in the first half on Saturday where, like I mentioned, players were running 35 yards with the ball and players weren't engaging and making tackles and passes over like six to ten yards were going astray and that you you just can't have that you know like you've got to even if you have to strip it back to the basics and start again that's absolutely fine but you then have to see those basics done properly and that's all Neil Warnock did last season really which is, is go really back to basics and make sure your framework was solid and then see what you can get from there and at the moment it doesn't feel like the framework is particularly solid and one of the biggest key indicators of that is the amount of set piece goals they've given away mm-hmm. ironically against Leeds that wasn't a problem really yeah well it was more their own set pieces that, that yeah. were, were, the, <laughs> yeah. were the problem against Leeds because yeah it, it's it's just as I say it's 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 the the heaviness of the of the defeat and the nature of the performances is just <sighs> And the fact that even if you did strip it back to basics and all of that, it's a long time to go through basics. And unfortunately, perhaps they'll prove me wrong, but as we sit here right now, I just think even going back to basics, where are the goals going to come from? If you know, Even if they started closing the back door, where are the goals going to come from without Jack Radoni in the side? Because you know, we mentioned Danny Ward and Josh Garoma earlier as two players who have a goal threat, but they weren't exactly banging them in before their injuries either. Um I think Sorba Thomas is, as mentioned, his form has been better. I think probably the one player who has performed sort of better under Darren Moore. Um, and he offers some hope. But again, as you say, it's so easy to defend against when he's the only player in that side. I was going to say the front line, but in the side who is offering a threat. So someone has to step up is the long and short of it. Whether that's, you know, the, the a Diara, say, a Ben Wiles, whether it's... Nakiyama getting his getting things together and, and putting in some solid performances at, at fullback and getting some assists and getting forward. Whether it's you know someone like Jaheim Headley coming into the side and 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 adding some extra attacking impetus and giving teams something to think about. But again, we're listing a lot of players here who are raw or inconsistent or performing poorly. Yeah, the other side of the pressure is that there's also the side there's pressure from within the club because if they were if they were to do something with more they're looking right down the barrel of what that would technically be their sixth manager in 18 months mm. not including caretakers yeah I, I mean that is that is that is not the sign of a of a stable happy club so you know pressing it pre- just simply pressing a button that says sack Darren Moore tomorrow yeah I don't think is really curing the problems that are at the heart of this this squad isn't in this position because of what happened this summer you know this this squad is what happens when they haven't filled out certain roles like the striking role sort of adequately over a couple of years which suddenly leaves you with quite a big problem there are things here that 
can only be solved by patience. But the problem is, if you are pleading for patience, you can't keep losing four nil because that's not you. You have to show something. Yeah, exactly. You have to. You have. There has to be a glimmer of hope that you go. Yeah, this is bad, but I can see such and such has happened. So yeah, I will be patient and let's see what happens. At the moment, nobody can blame Southampton. We we are. I think on this pod, we are quite analytical. Some people have said, "Oh, we defend the club a lot." We don't defend the club a lot. I think we're just afforded a helicopter view of things because we are more analytical and because we're not overly emotional about it. But here, I completely understand where town fans are at the moment because two performances like that in a row, you know, it's no secret that I'm a Brighton fan. Two performances like that in a row, I've had that so many times over the years and I know exactly how it feels. And to be honest with you, you kind of just want to burn everything to the ground and start again. But the problem is, I think as a squad, you can't rule out the fact they've had so many philosophies over the last 18 Mm. months. You know, like if you look at if you look at the managers to go from Carlos Corbran, who was just a complete sort of freak of nature in terms of the the control he wanted on the pitch and the control over various aspects, to Danny Schofield, who then, if you remember, sort of kind of wanted to rip it up and start again, and then tried to go back to what Corbran was doing well, and it was already too late. To Mark Fotheringham, who came in with a completely different philosophy. To Neil Warnock, who has, a, a, you know, I think we would both acknowledge a complete. It's a completely unique mm-hmm. experience that some players absolutely adore and some players absolutely hate. To now Darren Moore, who I think is probably more of somebody who tries to look at the squad as a whole and tries to get a more balanced approach. It's just, it is very difficult. It is very difficult, but you can't, you know, you've got to shake a hangover off, Steve. You've got to go into work yeah. Monday morning. That's the reality. Yeah, yeah. The, I think the big question is, can you get some, would a better manager or a different, sorry, a different manager get results out of this squad? And I think with the best will in the world, I don't think, a, I don't think the best manager would get great results out of this squad at the moment but it's if they're gonna you at least if they're gonna limp through to january you at least want to see that there is something to build on once Mm. they get those new players in that's the thing yeah so like even if they are losing one nil two games out of three and the other one is either a win or a draw and they're really struggling because 11 games is just so long you know yeah but even if it's that's the case, then at least you can point to it and say, well, we're just too short on players. We don't have enough in the squad. We have to get to January. Um, but as I say, it's just they can't keep losing three and four because <laughs> yeah. then you've got nothing to build on. Once you get to January, it's we need a whole new squad. <laughs> not not we need two or three players to get a lift out of them. It is. A, a friend of ours that we were chatting to at the weekend said he felt this uh, season was maximum danger, I think he described it, which was, I'm sure, also the name of a film in the 1980s that was 19 <laughs> minutes long and thoroughly enjoyable. I kind of understand why he's saying that. I don't necessarily 100% agree, but I'm kind of, I'm not far off at the moment. They need to, my worry is they drop into that bottom three because I think if they drop into that bottom three, it's going to be much harder this season to get themselves out. That's that's my honest read on it. That's not a comment on, I think only Neil Warnock can get a side out. It's a comment on where this squad is at the moment. You know, I don't... I think when you look back to what Warnock did, he did have players that he brought back in and called upon who suddenly started doing a, you know, a really good job and various other things. Yeah. I just don't see that there at the moment. So, but it's it, it is difficult because... I think if Darren Moore is what they want this club to be, they have to kind of stick with it. You know, yeah. if 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 they want that sort of more balanced approach and they want to build something, they have to stick with it. And if they have to stick with it, then it could mean more pain, you know, in the short term. It could mean two months of, of pain in the short term to get to January and give him some tools to work with. But yeah, I understand it. What a lovely, lovely podcast we've had here, Dave. Yeah, half term too. Lovely way to spend my first day at half term. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you again for coming on. What is your recommendation for us today? Uh, come back to me in a second. Oh, okay. Looking at your bookshelf there. <laughs> yeah, come back to me in a second. Um. Okay, I am going to say... 
<sighs> Mitski's new album. It's very good. I'm enjoying it. Uh, it's called The Land is Inhospitable and So Are We. Uh, many of you all know Mitski already. I think in terms of indie rock circles, she's about as big as it gets. Didn't like her previous album um, at all. But I really like this new one, uh, partly because it's the guy who did... Um, when I first listened to it, I was like, oh, this is a bit like Father John Misty. And then I read it's the guy who did Father John Misty's orchestrations, was doing the um, orchestral bits. So that will probably be why. Um, Dave? I, I I couldn't get on with that with Gex last week. No, I, I didn't I, think I did, you would. I did try, but it just sounded like people <laughs> dropping their instruments down the stairs to me. Yeah, I'm afraid. I don't the think reason you'd I it. Uh, the reason I said come back to me was because I wanted to just get the name of it right. It is just released last week and arrived on Friday. I had it on pre-order and it is an utter joy. It's the second part of the Panini UK sticker collection, which takes us right up until 1993. So the first part covers the late 70s and the early 80s and it's the complete albums. And then this part is, I think it's 87 to 93, complete albums, including the uh, advertisements and everything that was in there. And it's just it's just a piece of joyous nostalgia on every level. It just essentially if you were to say right can we make something that ticks every one of david hartrick's yeah. buttons <laughs> then essentially giving me six complete sticker albums in one book to leaf through from the 90s is essentially it so uh, yeah i was gonna say it's the most on brand you've ever been yeah it's just it's just a wonderful wonderful thing i have if you are interested i do of course have two editions of the european championship one because i got the first edition and then they updated it with the last two so i had to get that and i've got the uh the world cup one which is a double volume as you'll see there steve i've got it got it in the proper sleeve so uh yeah they are just wonderful things to just sit and peruse you know this it's just a lovely thing to own peru are in it as well you got sorry you said it's nice to peruse peru are in it the they're in the one. world cup one yeah so um yeah, uh, I was recently looking at, I sent you the picture, I think, the only sticker book I think I've ever completed, which was the Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo sticker yeah. book in the 90s, a Merlin one, I think, and the advert on the back was for, like, Beavis and Butthead and, like, yeah. manga t-shirts, and just at the top, well, it just said, all t-shirts are in extra large, and they didn't mean available in extra large, it was just, no, that's the only size we do, <laughs> it's extra large. <laughs> The uh, I I was quite it was quite sad because one of the one of the things in the Panini book when I was looking through it my first look is Bobby Charlton's soccer school, oh. which used to be if you ever read a sort of shoot a match anything like that Bobby Charlton's soccer school was sort of always the thing on the back cover picture of Bobby with some kids there training and it was uh, yeah tinged with sadness. Oh, there we go. Right then, we'll see you next week after the Watford game. Hopefully, a bit happier. Um, we'll see. Thanks, Dave. Goodbye. See you there.